Welcome to Who's Round. What is Who's Round? Who's Round is... Who's Round? Well, it's... um. It's very hot, and I think we'll be talking about heat a bit later. But uh, it's hot as we record this uh, in beautiful sunny London, so I'm going to ask my uh, latest victim to tell me who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Well, your victim is Clinton Grain, G-R-E-Y-N, like brain. And um, I suppose you're talking to me because I've been in uh, uh, two episodes of Doctor Who, and that's a, an unlikely situation because usually if you do one, you're, you don't do any others and you're recognised, but in both of them, I'm probably unrecognisable. The first one, I'm, I was covered from head to foot in hair, I think, and the second one, I was uh, covered from head to foot in latex rubber. So uh, nobody recognises me. In fact, all the fans that I've had, I've been very suspicious of because liking somebody that looks like I've looked in Doctor Who <laughs> is a, a rather suspect... Uh, uh, situation, I think. Anyway, uh, that's uh, that's the reason uh, being a Doctor Who. And there were very uh, happy events, actually, the Doctor Who, because there's a certain quality of fun in them. Quite. Maybe because I was in the same... Both the, the director was the same one in the first one I did, and also in the second one. Yes, Peter Moffat. Peter Moffat, yeah. Uh, who died quite recently, I'm sad to say. And he, he used to live over by Paddington Station, I remember. And um, he was uh, an extremely uh, uh, approachable person and, uh, and very gentle, but uh, he was great fun to work with. He was very human. Um, I don't it, know what... It was, uh, it was Tom Baker's last, last year on the show. Yes, yes. State of Decay, your first State one. State of Decay. Your Ivo, the headman of the village. Village, all hair and, uh, and seriousness. Yes, yes. In fact, it, I was reminded so much of it when I went to Phantom Films about that, because they brought out so many photographs that I'd never seen. And, uh, no, it was, it was a very interesting uh, time. Because uh, Tom married the girl, didn't he? He did. And... Uh, and she eventually, when she divorced, she married uh, Dawkins. That's right. So it's quite a, an intellectual <laughs> cast. <Yeah. laughs> and uh, uh, no, it was quite, quite funny on many levels because uh, when we first went in, um, I come from South Wales, uh, and there was um, the guy playing the lead was a Welshman, wasn't he? Em- he Emrys James, James, yes. And a very a Welshman. Very rolling out like this. And the woman that played my wife was also Welsh. She played me before, was it? Uh, Rhoda Rod- Lewis. Lewis, yes. Who you worked with at the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry oh, in the late 50s. God, yes. That's Small good. business, That's, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Anyway, that um, they were both Welsh, and uh, they came up, and I started speaking, and I started speaking with the Welsh accent, and I thought this is going to sound like uh, the Channel Four in Welsh, actually. So I thought I'd better stop this and uh, and change it. But it was very infectious. Uh, the um, yes, the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry. Mm, that was 
That's the time. Enjoyed that too. That was the first. I played the lead in the first play they did there. The first play, uh, the rep did anyway. Um, but um, it was called Picnic. Played the part that William Holden played in the film. Um, that was uh, way back. That was fifty-eight, fifty-nine. Is it fifty-five, fifty-seven, fifty-seven, fifty-eight, fifty-eight, fifty-nine? Yes, and I, I left. Summer of the 60, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, that was good. There was a lot of good people there. Yeah. Yes, well, we'll, 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 get, we'll go back to the beginnings. Um, okay. We'll stick with Doctor Who for now. We'll go, we'll okay, go, yeah. And then we'll, then we'll trace it back. So, um, so uh, yes, you, you did have that. It, it's a very curious looking at State of Decay because I think it's a great production, but it does have that thing that you probably wouldn't do now. You'd be given time to grow a beard, but yes. you do have the sort of BBC wobbly beard. <laughs> <laughs> going down on my lip. Yeah. And by the time it had the, uh, the um, was it, spirit gum on it, and your lip was stiffer, and it was hard to speak. <laughs> anyway, it uh, worked out after a while. Uh, but um, uh, it was a, it, that was interesting. Yeah. And it was interesting in retrospect when I saw the thing afterwards, because it has many parallels with the uh, Frankenstein myth and everything, doesn't it? The drinking of the blood and the feeding of the monster. It was quite a thing. I hadn't realised it so much at the time. Oh yes, um, it doesn't hide its trappings. It's very much going for the sort of horror, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a great looking production. It's, uh, yes, it was really gothic, wasn't yeah. it? it was, he managed to get uh, a lot of that mysterious gothic uh, Victorian quality into it. it was, uh, yes, I was very impressed when I saw it afterwards mm. and um, and you had quite a rapport with Canine he was your he, the, the, yes, the, the dog yes. became I mean, yes. they say never work with children and animals <laughs> what about, about children and robotic That's animals right. yeah yeah. and um, it was fun with, with Tom Baker as well I used to give him lifts uh, back up here because he lived somewhere around here as well and I lived next door actually for all my time before him um, and uh, yeah, he was uh, he was very interesting because he, uh, and he was he was very strange in the acting. I found, I mean, he's a fabulous actor and lovely voice. Oh God! But he was um, he never seemed to be doing very much, and he he never really sort of worried too much about the script until the dress rehearsal, and then bang out it came. You know, he he's got it all there. He, he was living on it, but he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't giving anything away, really, to begin with. He was, uh, what, a late developer. <laughs> no, he, he, he was very nice working with him, very friendly, yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because you've done t- two stories but uh, managed to notch up three Doctors because your next one was uh, was The Two Doctors. That's right, yes, and that was a, a double episode, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and that was the one where... Uh, yeah, we went to um, uh, Seville yeah. uh, to shoot, and uh, I was in this rubber tank suit. And, uh, I, they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me uh, put the hood on, the head on, for longer than four minutes, and then I had to take it off. Lest you pass out. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, when they got my T-shirt out afterwards, they rang it out. <laughs> 
And I, I, I have to say, you know, it's an actor's dream to go, OK, you've got a job filming in Spain. Yeah. H- how long did it take them to tell you that you would be filming in Spain whilst dressed as a suntan? <laughs> yeah, Cavity you go Robert. there, you think you're going to have a suntan. <laughs> you know? And I had to wait in the shade all the time. You know, the suit was on as well, you know, and that was quite some time. And um, uh, I was, there was some funny stories about that too because they, the BBC were, of course, uh, very worried about costs and everything. We were on vacation with Doctor Who, and uh, that was a bit much in the, uh, during the holiday season as well in uh, uh, Seville. And um, we had lunch, and they had lunch in the Unis, and when they had lunch in Spain, they would bring out the wine, and of course, all the time. And uh, the uh, uh, the uh, the uh, they said we, we can't have the uh, company um, manager. So we can't have wine, we can't have wine, we can't afford wine, we can't pay for wine. And uh, so they said, okay, well, they thought perhaps it was to do with being drunk on the set or something like that. So anyway, it was very hot in the day. Uh, so he said, no, no, no wine, no wine. So we uh, we had Coca-Cola and soft drinks and all the rest of it. But the Coca-Cola cost three times as much as the wine. So <laughs> he didn't realise that. It was, uh, it was, uh, so we um, uh, we didn't save any money on that, <laughs> but it was uh, it was very nice and uh, um, everything was um, um, laid out for us and well done because the girl that was like our liaison was the wife of the she was English and she was the wife of the English ambassador in Seville or whatever they have the diplomat in in um, Seville and uh, she managed everything for us as well as being perfectly uh, Spanish speaking uh, and uh, so this was very very helpful anything we wanted it was always uh, got for us and we stayed in the Hilton so that was nice mm. um, and we had uh, I remember some very noisy sessions in the swimming pool <laughs> afterwards we came back in with the crew and also hot after that day and poo was lovely I bet particularly for you I mean after sweat it, sweating all day in that uh, yeah. in that big I mean you you hold the record I think you will always hold the record um, for being because the Sotarans were originally described in Doctor Who um, to paraphrase John Pertwee and John Milton as nasty brutish and short but yeah. Peter Moffat obviously didn't get that memo <laughs> this is what they told me afterwards um, uh, when the Sontans came on this time because uh, somebody said to me are you going back I said no for one thing I'm dead they said but you don't you look the same as everybody else and I said come on can't you tell the difference and uh, <laughs> and they said um, uh, no they're supposed to be very short they've cast a lot of short people this time yeah which they did didn't they in the subsequent one yes yeah Oh, that was that was strange. I, I don't know why that. I didn't know that before. I well, I just I don't think Peter yeah. Moffat did either, and wanted. No. Uh, I I guess you want a you want a good actor behind the mask. You want yeah. a good voice. Yeah. And and tall is always yeah is always good for a monster. Yes. And I'm, how are you? Six foot. Plus, six aren't foot. You? I was six foot one and a half. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with Peter too. Um, I right early on in my career, I'd done uh, something. Uh, well, Ferovius is the uh, the gladiator in Arms and the Man uh, that he did for um, uh, schools uh, television, 
and uh, I, I was real big and that uh, bumped me up. So um, no, I, I I had played sort of big men in his productions before. So that was. And you needed somebody with presence to compete with a cast that had Jacqueline Pierce, John Stratton. Uh, there's some yes. big personalities there. Yes, there certainly were. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jacqueline Pierce says I, I was in a play subsequently with her. We took to Vienna. Uh, we our paths across sometime before because she was married originally, or she was the girlfriend of a an actor. Oh gosh, I'm was it Drew Henley? Yes. Drew Henley, yeah. that's right. Yeah, and he uh, eventually married uh, the other girl. You know all these people. You well, I don't, have, I don't get out much. You've got a, <laughs> a photographic memory. They're slipping by now, in a way. Yes, uh, and um, he, uh, he and I were on a film together, um, and it was uh, in Italy, um, The High Bright Sun. He had some problems, and then he disappeared off the scene because he was very sympathetic on the screen, I thought. He, he died not long ago, about six really? months ago. Yeah. Gosh, I, when I open my equity journal, I look at the uh, uh, deaths and in memoriam page. And first of all, I see too many of my friends. Yes, it's, uh, well, it's time on the business, yeah. isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. And. Um, what is Urban Biscuit? What, so what, what are your memories of your, of your two contrasting doctors then, Colin, Colin and Patrick Troughton working together? They were, I worked with Patrick on a, a soap for the BBC ages ago called Compact. Mm. And he was a marvellous actor then, you know, and he was one of the best uh, and most subtle actors. Uh, and um, so I'd worked with him before. Uh, and I was very pleased to be working with him again because I liked his work. And uh, so that, uh, that, was, uh, that was very happy. Uh, I hadn't known Colin before, but um, also it was the Scots boy. Fraser Hines. Fraser Hines, who never stops talking. He's got a joke <laughs> a second. He has so many jokes. Yeah. And he came in, you can start a conversation, he can go on for half an hour telling different jokes all the time. Yes. Last time I did a thing with him, I threatened to um, initiate a pun jar. And every time he told a pun, he had to put a pound in. But <laughs> I'd have made a fortune. <laughs> I can believe him. <laughs> and it's quite, it got into trouble. Actually, it was the two doctors that was targeted by Michael Grade, really, when he decided to sort of pull the plug on the show temporarily because it was, it was very violent. You get, when you get stabbed in... Yep. <laughs> I mean, everything happens to you. You get stabbed in the leg. You and get and melted a bit and then you and get blown up. Shot it and... Yes, it was... Um, um, I had green blood in there and I was mm. spitting this out of the camera. Don't cover the lens, don't spit it out of the lens. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, well that, that, was, that was good. It was, uh, that was particularly pleasant because it started in, um, uh, where was it, June, I think it was, beginning of June, the casting. And um, I remember, uh, it was, yes, it was about then. And um, so we got together on something about then. And then we shot it in the beginning of August 
in the um, there was a, a lull and we shot it at the beginning of August and um, uh, I think it was yes it was the beginning of August and I, then I started shooting uh, my scenes in the studio in September so it sort of it was all that summer of 84 that was uh, Doctor Who and it seemed to go on for ever but it was it was a lot of fun it was uh, it was a memorable summer I think it's one of the most happy television things I've done uh, the two doctors um, yes and uh, yeah that's right and I, I went to that's right I went away on holiday just before that and I went to Spain in fact and then I came back and did Doctor Who uh, and then went out to Spain again with Doctor Who well, yes, you see, uh, you're, you're Pat's from Spain, so you spend a lot. You spend a lot of time in Spain. Yes, yeah. Well, we we've got uh, f- friends down there, uh, down near Cartagena, uh, Cartagena, and um, I've always liked Spain. I've uh, been there lots of times, and I only have a smattering of the language, but I like the food, and I can I can order from menu and all sorts, of things. and uh, uh, and go to the toilet in Spanish. Because <laughs> well, a friend of mine said on that picture, the Highbright Sun said, uh, very pucker guy he was, he said, uh, there's only really two things you need to know about these uh, Italians. Uh, he said, the first is, he said, I asked my uncle, and he said, there's two phrases you use, you, you, you don't need anything else. One was, Dove la Gabinetti, uh, which is, uh, where's the toilet? And the other is, Uno por la strada. One for the road. Well, it's not an idiom <laughs> that in in Italian in any way. So absolutely useless. But he was terribly pucker. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we uh, we go to Spain a lot. Well, and now you know that wine's cheaper than Coca Cola as well. So mm. you know, <laughs> we're on to There's it. no choice. <laughs> well, take me back, Clinton, to yeah. um, to where it all began, and, and what what was your background, and, and what led you to becoming an actor. Oh. I know. I, um, I was, um, as I said to you earlier, in, uh, I was in uh, Cheshire for my formative years, I suppose, uh, and, uh, and I went to school in a place called Nantwich. Um, the um, uh, I was uh, sort of uh, happy at school, not very talented in academia, but talented in. In some of the sports, and um, uh, so I was house captain, there. and uh, we had things like poetry competitions and all that. And uh, the housemaster was also uh, very interested in plays and everything. And he directed the school play, and, uh, and he said to me one day, he said, uh, "We're having this poetry competition. We get some people to, from the house to, you know, uh, do the speeches." And nobody would come forward. I couldn't get anybody to do any poetry because they, they all wanted to play football or something like that. So eventually I had to do it myself. And he was very impressed by it. He said, you're going to be in the school play. So <laughs> I went to the school play and I was hooked. Um, the, uh, my father used to be in the local operatic society as well. and he, uh, I used to go around there and I was call boy and for that. And, uh, um, so uh, I got the bug quite early on uh, and then um, I uh, did my national service and uh, the, um, uh, unbeknownst to my parents I uh, 
took an audition for RADA and uh, because but I took it a year before I wanted to go because I was might have been posted abroad and couldn't do it at the normal time and uh, I wanted to start in uh, the international service and uh, so uh, I took this audition and I got a scholarship as well I got a double scholarship and got it from the county they uh, in those days those were the days <laughs> oh god yes couldn't do it now anyway so uh, they were reasonably assured that I could uh, live <laughs> after getting those two things and getting the scholarship and I went to Rada and was uh, very successful at Rada and uh, uh, had a great time and um, so that was the those were the early days um and um, I got an agent when I was still at RADA. That was useful. And uh, start. Yeah. And my first professional part was uh, at Ipswich Rep. I was there for six months. And the first professional part was Jimmy Porter in Look Back in Anger. And uh, I used to... I, I reveled in that, and that was good. The only person that had played it before that was Kenneth Haig in the town oh, and the Peter O'Toole at uh, they'd got concession uh, at Bristol of Vic and so uh, this was quite uh, something and, uh, so uh, and in the evenings I used to go and uh, play the guitar as I I played a little bit folk songs and stuff and I used to go to the local coffee bar because it was the thing to do in those days you know uh, in the late 50s and uh, this guy kicked Come up, used to come up to me and wanted to know how to play these chords. And, uh, I was very reluctant to show him because these were my uh, only chords. <laughs> and uh, but he was uh, persistent and quite friendly. And who was it in the end? Trevor Nunn. Oh, he was at the grammar school in, in Ipswich. He took Trevor Nunn to play the guitar. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. So, anyway, oh, I knew him as Trevor then, and those, but. Um, uh, this was before we went to university, yeah. <coughs> and um, well, he gave me a job afterwards. So. Well, that's okay then, <laughs> because he went back to the. He went early on to the Belgrade before he went to the Royal Shakespeare Theatre, and um, he, uh, in in fact, um, gave me the lead in uh, was it the uh, Caucasian Chalk Circle, which he was producing, and in, in fact, that uh, the some of the leading people from. Rada and his first wife uh, uh, came along to that to um, it was Janet Sutzman was it? Janet Sutzman yeah, yeah. Uh, and Peter Hall came along to see the production because it, it got some notoriety yeah. and uh, he was uh, then you know dickered for going to Stratford afterwards so um, uh, there were there were many uh, Excitements actually of being in Coventry in the Belgrade Theatre. Um, not only was it a fabulous theatre, a modern one, <laughs> and uh, I think that's where I got a lot of my love of modern architecture. Then it, um, it, uh, uh, I, it was the opening of Coventry was blossoming. The first three buildings they did with the library, the new cathedral, and the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry. Those are sh shows where their priorities were, <laughs> uh, which was good. Yeah. And also at the first anniversary of the uh, uh, cathedral, in one of the services, I read the uh, lesson from the thing. 
it's the next best thing to being Charlton Heston, being in that new cathedral high up, speaking out over the crowd. Mm. So that was uh, interesting. Um, you had some interesting actors that, uh, in those those couple of years you were at um, yeah. Frank Finley and Frank Richard Finley. Frank Finley was the heavy there all the time. He was great. I also saw him many times after that in, in Hollywood it was, we were a lot of fun together I've got some of the photographs there um, and uh, Sean Phillips was mm. in the third place she played St. Joan I played Dunois um, and Richard Bryars was there all the whole time Yeah, a future Doctor Who director who was an actor then Richard Martin oh, oh yes yes he was there all the time yeah, yeah. I worked for him in the, in when I played King Richard II and we did those that series of uh, historical the first church the, the first, first Churchill Churchill's people Churchill's people Churchill's people yeah people. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, you know Richard the Lionheart wasn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've got some of the early photographs of that oh. um, so that that took me up to uh, well, you, were, you were playing good parts uh, you and Julius Caesar as uh, yes uh, Mark Antony Mark Antony and, and Caesar yeah You've got, you've got back around there, you've got some... Well, well I, I think the least I can do for you, given me your time, is come to knowing what I'm talking about. Wow, yeah. And uh, one of my favourite parts was uh, the Sergeant Bell in Reluctant Heroes, where I, I used my experience of the drill sergeants in National Service to play that part. That was very, very good. It was... Uh, that was probably the most successful of the of the parts I played, rather than the juveniles and the uh, gay young men or whatever they were in those days. No, that was the because uh, uh, this had to be your regimental hotel for the next ten days, and uh, that was a lot of laughs. And that, <laughs> I I thought I'd uh, have a paunch on, you know, therefore a stomach. And it was strapped around with a belt and a moustache, you know, a slightly bristly moustache. But by the end of the first act, I was so hot, the moustache had come off. <laughs> and I, I was putting it on on the stage. And uh, so the, in the, for the second half, I had to paint it on because it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stick. My goodness. It was sweating so much. <laughs> but um, it, it worked out. Yeah, Richard uh, Martin was in one of those... Uh, in, in in that I think is one of the sergeants. Also, and um, Alan Howard, mm. Patrick O'Connell from the Brothers, brothers. who was in a Doctor Who that Richard Martin directed. Ah, ah, so, ah, so that was good. Yes, yeah, so. got on. Yeah, yeah. So when you're doing, because because this is the late fifties, early sixties, so television is just mm. beginning. Mm. Did did you did actors have ambition to do television, or was 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 you know your heart still Always in the theatre. Always in the theatre, yeah. And I suppose because Rado in those days, uh, the main thrust was uh, theatre. You were lucky if you got into films, you know, but it was mainly theatre, yeah. Um, and uh, you uh, were trained, you know, classically, I suppose, for theatre. Uh, um, yes, and um, television was a. You didn't really uh, think of television. Uh, 
I know, I was totally surprised because when I went to Ipswich for the first rep job, the local television company wanted uh, an excerpt from it. And in order to have it, uh, thing, although it was going out to the East Coast area, uh, we had to go into London to the television series to do it and then come back out, uh, you know, during our re rehearsal schedule. And uh, so it was... Uh, uh, it was very rudimentary and very... Mm. They couldn't uh, come possible. to you. No, they couldn't <laughs> come to us, no. The cameras were far too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, so, um, uh, no, and uh, I didn't uh, get into that, into television until, really, I suppose, it was the compact that was the, the biggest thing that I did. Yeah, you did a couple of plays, plays of the week, didn't you? Yes, in and out and uh, various things. And, um, um, and the, Z, the Z cars. Oh, yes, the Z cars. Oh, that was interesting, yeah. And that, that was interesting from another point of view. I was uh, um, the guy that uh, played um, Shaffer Johns, who played the sergeant, uh, uh, was I was uh, living in the block of flats that he uh, ran in uh, St Martin's Lane, Upper St Martin's Lane, right in the centre of town in um, you know Soho area, West End, and uh, I had a flat in this building because I'd just been in a play with him, uh, Sergeant Musgrave's Dance, uh, with Lindsay Anderson directed, and there was a lot of good actors in that one, and um, Alan Doby and people like that. And uh, he was in that playing the vicar in the village, and uh, uh, we um, and the photographs were taken by Tony Armstrong Jones, uh, uh, so Lord Snowden, and um, he was in the flat, and he said uh, we were we'd often meet and talk about oh go for a drink and something. I've just done this pilot for a television series, the first uh, one goes out. Uh, um, in a few days' time, said, come and uh, have a look at it and see what you think. And I went along and I said, uh, and he, I, I'd seen him act before, and this was not in his style at that time, I think. think. And he went out and I said, Sir, you're going to be a star with this, this is excellent, this is really great and punchy, and said, there's nothing like it before. And he said, Oh, I don't think so. Anyway, the next day, they knew, <laughs> they knew, and um, he was in that for so many years but uh, I was there at the birth of it wow. for him and that was quite something and I've seen, I've seen quite a few of them and, and his he cra he's one of the first actors to sort of crack telly yeah, yeah, he? yeah. He's, he he's, said but I said I'm going over the top I'm playing it so bush, butch and random you know and he was uh, but it was natural and he came across very effectively yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yes, and we had a, a cricket team that I used to play for, for said cars, I remember. Um, there was a day. That was, that was just after Compact, I think. Yeah. That, yeah, it was. Compact was 62 and said cars were 63. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, Compact would have had a really fast sort of turnaround, didn't it? Yeah, one of the episodes was live. <laughs> I remember an actor <laughs> who should be nameless who fluffed, he, not only fluffed, he took us back to another scene. And I, it was my turn to speak. And I didn't know what to answer. 
so I, you know, I did the usual sort of thing. Uh, but don't you think that so and so and so? I'm trying to remember what the line was. What do you think? And you know, give it, so he'd have time to think and and come back to me. But he didn't do it. He didn't do anything. And uh, he frustrated. And eventually, they cut to the next scene. But it was, uh, oh, it was, it was, it was rather nerve-wracking because you played it from one episode to more than I'd ever played in the theatre combined. Yes, <laughs> the numbers. No, it was. Uh, that was quite something. Yeah, it was. It was good though because it. Uh, you you saw the technique. You were able to see your performance afterwards. It's like seeing the rushes of it. Mm. I think, and you could judge accordingly. Well, because by the end of the sixties, you've got your own series, Virgin of the Secret sure. Service. <laughs> tell, tell us about that because oh. you, you can't beat a title like that. Yes. Oh, I don't know. And the things that um, really uh, sort of uh, were good in the career for that bringing it forward were uh, um, the um, what was it that, uh, oh yes I'd done um, a few things in the, with the Welsh National Theatre and some people had seen uh, those and uh, I uh, I got cast in the um, in a, in a film that was being shot in Paris with Shirley MacLaine called um, Woman Times Seven and uh, I got the part that, and here's another sort of uh, story that was uh, Vittorio De Sica who was the director was absolutely a charmer he really is a lovely man he uh, saw uh, he was an inveterate gambler and he was at the casino in Le Touquet uh, he met this guy and uh, thought he was a puppet, pucker Englishman and would be great in this part. Uh, it wasn't an Englishman in the end, it was a Scotsman. But uh, he thought he would be great in this part because he looked so English. And do you know who it was? Lord Lucan. <laughs> and he wanted to cast Lord Lucan in this part. But he was persuaded against it because Lord Lucan, well, in fact, he gave him a test and he couldn't act. So um, this was uh, abandoned, and I think the uh, Donald, um, uh, who's it, the Welsh actor? Houston. Houston, yeah, um, was um, uh, thinking about in Carson, and he wasn't well. So they, somebody in the Welsh connection uh, knew me and cast me in it. And... Uh, uh, so and that's turned out very very well. Yeah, it was very successful, and uh, quite funny actually because in the um, uh, in this we had uh, seven different stories, and this was a story between three people: uh, Vittorio Gassman, uh, the uh, Italian Laurence Olivier, and uh, who was married to Shelley Winters at one time, uh, Shirley MacLaine, and myself, and. Um, Vittorio De Sica didn't speak much English, and he'd go to, uh, uh, who is it, to Gassman. Gassman said, what happens next? He said, well, you've got to go, I need to ride, I'm going to go. Jesus, I said, he'd gone for about half an hour, talking to Gassman like this. And he and I, Gassman, and we're playing the same sort of part to uh, Shirley MacLaine. I said, Victoria. Victoria, what are you saying? And to Gasman, 
what's he saying? And, uh, and um, they told him to, to seek a, a, tell Clinton what you're doing. And he says, smile. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he said. Those were my instructions. So I had to smile through it. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, that was uh, enjoyable. She was uh, very good, um, Shirley McLean. But that, um, uh, that got me noticed and, uh, a little bit, I suppose. And uh, I also um, uh, then uh, was noticed by the same, uh, the same management, or a little bit of it, overlapped for the film robbery. And that did me a lot of good because it, uh, there was, uh, the director was very good, uh, P.T. Yates. And the film after that he did was Bullet, so you can, you yeah. know, he was on to a role. And um, uh, that brought me to the attention of, uh, of people in the States. I think and I had a, a screen test and uh, all that sort of thing. And um, I was put on... Uh, Universal's uh, shopping list so that was good that was good and Stanley Baker no slouch oh no very good very good actor he was I think he was underrated as an actor because he had this menace and he was very much like the the French detective the noir detectives like Lino Ventura and people like that he had a, had a power so a, a very dangerous power um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm very, very impressed with him because uh, uh, I seem to have worked with uh, some of the Welsh actors, as, uh, you know, from because I came from South, I came from Swansea originally. And, yeah, well, and you did uh, Richard Burton on the, the, the no third less, no. billing you get on that movie. Yeah, yeah, Richard Burton, yeah. John Curley, Cost, Clinton Gray. Again, yeah, it's not too bad, not too bad. Uh, it was uh, it was quite something working with him because he had uh, uh, I'd always admired his voice. What a voice! It was uh, most poetic and uh, uh, a poetic voice with a strong personality, and really, really, uh, it was. I, I almost stopped talking and listened to him. You know when he was saying things, and um, I played um, in under milk ward a few times and so i i knew back then. and uh, we used to sit on the half trucks half tank things whatever they call them uh, and spouted dylan thomas you know, it was my 30th year to heaven woke to my hearing from harbor and neighborhood and bustle, all that sort of stuff and um, he was uh, he was very good but i also got to meet elizabeth wow she was down there uh, Richard was, uh, I don't know, he was, I, I, of the two of them, I was, more, I was more impressed, although I'd been a, a fan, the greatest fan of Burton, she was a, the real knockout of the pair of them. He, he seemed to be very nostalgic for the, his past in the theatre and uh, he was, I think he was just about to do a production, another production of uh, Hamlet. Uh, with Gielgud and everybody in the, in the um, in New York, mm -hmm. 
I think that was following on after, soon after. But he was he was very nostalgic for his old days of theatre, and uh, and very sort of. Um, I don't know whether the drink was a problem then, but he was. He seemed very sad about the whole thing. They were on the wagon at that time. They were drinking Coca-Cola all the time. Uh, but um, uh, she was. Uh, she was. Uh, she was getting on a bit then. You know, she wasn't the young girl, but uh, she had the uh, temperament of a young girl. She was enthusiastic about everything. And uh, uh, she said to me one time, she said, uh, oh, come over here, and sit down in Richard's chair, you know. Yeah, this is something you don't do. And she said, come over here, come and sit down. Now, let me talk to you. I, uh, I, tell me about yourself. I said, I haven't, I haven't got shorts on. I thought, oh, I'm not going to wash that leg again. <laughs> and anyway, she said, tell me about yourself, come on. And uh, she was uh, so enthusiastic and uh, warm and fresh. It was uh, really uh, uh, very exciting. You know, she, she did have a personality. And those eyes are that colour. <laughs> um, the, uh, no, that was, uh, she was... She seemed to be up and that. He was, seemed to be a bit down throughout. Um, Anyway, uh, I, that's not the, the happiest of dire directorial events. He was, uh, the director was uh, a real... It, it was a funny, yeah. thing, a funny thing. I don't know what the background was. I thought at the time that Burton was doing it for a, a loss leader of some sort, you know, uh, and it was some sort of tax assistance scheme because he was... Um, it was... Um, the script was... Was the, when I read the script, I thought it was a, almost a light comedy. It was very, very funny. And I had uh, some quite funny lines in it. And I said, we said one of them right at the start, and it got a big laugh from the crowd, from the crew. And, uh, but that line never appeared in the, in the <laughs> film. I, I don't think the director or Richard saw it as a, a comedy. Oh, in any way, uh, even an ironic comedy. But, um, and also they used a lot of footage from the film To Brook, uh, and that's why Burton dyed his hair blonde to fit in with Tab Hunter, I think it was, to overlap there. Um, so that was... Uh, uh, but, but nonetheless, so th this period you've got, you've got lead parts in films, and you've got, yes. as I said, we've alluded to your own series, uh, uh, so you must have... Was the, was the world your oyster? <laughs> it was in a way, but uh, I w and they all also Universal said, uh, uh, "Do you want us to uh, put you under contract for another three years?" And I said, uh, uh, "I knew that I had to take out American citizenship to stay any longer. I could do it on a B one before that, and." Uh, I didn't want to go to the States uh, for that length of time. I enjoyed my time when there, it's not that I didn't enjoy my time. But I didn't want to, uh, I w didn't want to live in Hollywood. In fact, I had a girlfriend at that time who uh, was uh, an American who got tenure at the university in London. So this was a bit of a problem. And uh, um, 
I thought I could come back here and do the odd picture or something like that. And uh, so, um, uh, but that was not the case because in those days, and I think it might be the same now, the directors move up to be producers and they don't cast. So that by the time I really came back after three years, uh, I didn't know any of the new directors <laughs> coming in. So it was a bit tough. But um, I, uh, uh, I enjoyed the uh, showbiz time. And so that when uh, uh, there was a... Uh, I'd done a film in uh, uh, Scandinavia, in Denmark, called Krista. Mm. And uh, the... Um, uh, the girl who it was uh, who died two months ago uh, came over here with her husband and uh, to uh, to London and she was a model lady she'd been on the front of Vogue and all the rest of it so uh, she got this um, uh, she thought she'd do some modeling while she was over here and she went to a model agency and uh, and the guy in the model agency said, well, would I do anything for them? And I said, well, I'm not a clothes model, you know, I don't do that sort of thing. He said, but do you drink? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes. He said, well, you can drink, you can hold a glass, can't you? So, uh, I did uh, some modelling. In fact, I did quite a few years of modelling after that, and I did everything, and I travelled around the world doing a lot of modelling and it paid a lot better than the acting profession. I was also the Marlborough man in one of the sessions and uh, although I don't smoke I was the most known non-smoking smoker and uh, they were furious with me, the, uh, the people, the agencies, because I didn't smoke. And. Um, Anyway, the nature of the smoking ads was, although you had to smoke right at the very beginning, after that it got less and less and you had to hold it in your fingers and then you didn't even hold it in your mouth. Uh, you know, it's just your name or the name of the cigarette came on the screen. So that uh, the very nature changed and uh, so I did a lot of that. But I also kept my hand in and uh, right up until, uh, well, 2000 when I played the lead in the National Theatre's Copenhagen uh -huh. uh, at um, the Duchess Theatre. I was the third, Niels Bohr. And that was a really, that was a pill. It's one of the largest parts ever written, I think. Every other speech for two and a quarter hours. And, uh, but it was great. It was and how did that come about? Um, it came about because of uh, I'd been in a Michael Frayn's plays before, uh, Noises Off, I was in that originally, and um, I, uh, um, so that the um, uh, impresario was Michael, not Michael, not Michael Winner, Michael, whoa, Michael Thank good that you were here. Um, the, uh, Happy to serve <laughs> so, You can be my agent. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, he'd uh, knew me and knew my work, and, uh, and Michael Frame did too, so uh, he asked. And uh, it was uh, working with Mike, um, Michael Blakemore, who was a very good director. And uh, so the, the, I, I jumped at the task of that. And, uh, but it took me six weeks to learn the part. 
and that's working every day on it too. So, but it was it's really satisfying to be able to you hope hold an audience for that length of time on the on the dialogue, and it's very little action in it; it's all words. So uh, that was a really satisfying uh, sort of tail end to uh, acting. And was uh, that deliberate? You, you went, well, I've done... Because you speak of that as though that was... You were drawing a line. Is that... um, I, I, suppose, I suppose so. I, I, the trouble was that my agent changed after that and uh, I didn't get another agent. I'd done, I did quite a few commercials and I just did one... Uh, well, I did one a couple of years ago for Messier Chocolates in uh, Germany. In Berlin, but uh, and I I do quite a few commercials uh, during that time, but not uh, what not serious stage acting, um, and not so many parts when you get older for one thing, and also um, I had been it wasn't that I uh, wasn't busy because in between after the um, uh, what's it after the um, going around the world uh, with the um, modelling uh, I thought it was about time I got serious with myself and my work and I went to the Open University and took a degree in the Open University I also played Frank in the uh, stage show of, uh, of Educating Rita which was a, a nice tie up as well mm. and um, uh, so that um, uh, I took that degree and then I decided I'd take my master's at City University and I did that and uh, so that uh, I was a bit serious I was also very interested uh, through uh, various reasons and uh, people I'd met in architecture modern architecture and I was very vociferous against the sort of architecture or against the principle of the using that sort of architecture that the prince was uh, famous for espousing and so uh, I got into an architectural uh, milieu that was um, for modern architecture and uh, uh, and I was associated with Peter Palumbo when they had the mansion house uh, scheme and uh, that tied in with the possibility then of uh, building this place which mm. uh, I mean I I've had this site for for 30 years before and couldn't build and it came about because uh, it was attractive to developers to join with me because of the uh, rise of the inflation of house prices um, partly due to Hugh Grant and, Grant and Julia Roberts in the film Notting Hill, Notting Hill yeah. <laughs> it became a very popular area uh, I mean there's all the, the bankers that live along here or the in the investment, mm. they're building a huge basement in the far in number two. You can see the boarding there oh, yes. around there, and they're using it like a uh, an iceberg type style basement, huge. Uh, so the, the character of here is changing. I don't know how long I'll stay. It's it's getting too uh, posh and smart. It's going the way of the King's Road, you know. There's not the nice little shops and the. Uh, Places of interest that the once was, yes. but you, but you've created this yes, place. Yes, 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 yes. There would be a, a wrench to leave, but uh, you saw a 
um, and I suppose the value is going up and up. So, uh, but uh, so you desire, after after years of having this empty space plot, next yeah. to this door, you've you've created yes a sort of. I, how, I how did all floors, the, How many floors is it? It's two floors. Two the, floors. There's a terrace going out over the Amazing. top. Um, and it's, um, it's, uh, it was, uh, you know, I always wanted it. And when I was in the States, I spent a lot of time in Hollywood going around some of the houses there that were, and they've got marvelous domestic architecture, you know, in the States, of course. And uh, I, I became friendly with a lot of, uh, of the architects and, Famous, you know. Uh, I cooked a meal for Richard Rogers and his wife, you know, so, and they opened the River Cafe uh, restaurant, so that's um, uh, something, but they were relatively unknown at that time. Um, so uh, I, I got friendly with that, and it was, it was very useful because it, uh, it, I was also fearful that the you know, jobs in theatre and show business dry up and you get less and less. And I'd seen a lot of my friends uh, so miserable and so upset at the uh, lack of work and having to do other things and having no pension and uh, as you can talk of, that it was, it was a bit frightening. So I put in a bit of time trying to establish myself or, or use the money that I'd got from the States to... Uh, you know, to establish some sort of uh, pension eventually in the end, which uh, of course I did. But I'd, uh, I'd bought the house with the girlfriend originally on the site, and uh, but that was uh, she could get a mortgage and I couldn't. But then I had to buy her out when uh, we split up. <laughs> See, I came back from the states to ostensibly be over here, and we split up. <laughs> well, that's. That goes to show. Anyway, um, that was uh, that's been the rough uh, sort of. No, I, I mean I did quite well in the architecture thing because I was uh, the director of the Twentieth Century Society. I was the first professional director. So, uh, and the um, that's the society that deals with all architecture after nineteen fourteen from for the government, and it's like the English heritage of um, or historic England. I have to say. Now of um, 20th century architecture. Uh, not that we get very far, but uh, oh, well, I'm not doing it now so much. Well, you've got, I mean, it's a shame this is audio, because it's a, it's a, you've got, you've certainly got the eye. It's absolutely stunning, <laughs> and, uh, and what a view. Well, look, I've, I've, I've used up far more of your time than I said I would, so I'm, I've got no. a, a very short number of things to um, round up with first of all so you were at Radu you did very well at Radu are you still in touch yep. with anybody that's, uh, that you were there with or have any well, of them we, we had a 50th anniversary actually when was it uh, 2005 something like that yeah 2005 it and uh, I got to see so many of the people of, of my it was wonderful it was wonderful to go back and, and see all of because um, people in my class were Dinah Rigg uh, for example um, who was the uh, the MP Glenda uh, uh, Jackson Jackson just before me just a term before me because um, I overlapped with uh, people like uh, Albert Finney and uh, uh, Peter was before that um, and uh, the guy that was in um, 
mansion thing with uh, Penelope oh, Keith, Peter, Bowles. Peter Bowles yeah he and I were played together in the, in the Belgrade in one thing though he did very well out of that um, and uh, all these people were of my term and so it was really nice going back to see that ah I loved it yeah no I enjoyed it and um, we can't I suspect I'm, I'm not sure if we'll be allowed to include this but I can't not ask about being one of the few people that's been a Doctor Who monster in Jim or Fix It. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. That was... Uh, that was uh, well, it was, it was fun, of course, at the time. And, uh, all innocent and... Uh, um, and the little boy was uh, very uh, thrilled by this and the monster. And, um, in fact, Jean... Uh, I'd just met Jean then, and she'd... Uh, she was in the audience, she was right by the side, and as I was going around, I just did a lunch, and she screamed, and everybody parted. <laughs> it was all for real. No, I mean, uh, um, I can live on my notorious friends, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, well, not that he was a friend, I never well, I Got interviewed I interviewed the little boy for this, who's now obviously a, oh, yeah. a grown man who's the head of a charity. Yeah, he's uh, really got a picture of him somewhere. Yeah, um, ah. And the final two questions are: the first one is because you've kindly given your time and indeed your hospitality. Um, what charity would you like to benefit from this process? Um, is Medicine Sans Frontières one of yours? Yeah, that's okay. fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the final question is we. Nominally convened here to talk about Doctor Who, uh, which, when this podcast started, was celebrating 50 years. Um, so what's your message to the Doctor Who fans out there, Clinton? Uh, I'm amazed. Keep on rooting. It's been the most prolific earner for me. <laughs> I've, I've had... I keep getting checks in for about 50p from Nairobi or somewhere. And it's, uh, no, it's... it's I'm, so I'm vastly surprised by the popularity of it, and uh, it's great. It's great that it's going on like this, and uh, people are so enthusiastic and warm, like they were at Phantom Films, and uh, uh, they were telling me things about uh, my past or the, the Doctor Who that I'd forgotten. Most interesting. So it was uh, as interesting to me as it maybe was for them to actually see the person. So, uh, no, keep it up. Keep going. <laughs> well, bless you. Well, Clinton Gray, thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you. That was great. I hope that was okay. Gosh, that was, uh... My thanks to Clinton. His charity is Médecins Sans Frontiers, uh, which fortunately for all of us is simply www.msf.org.uk msf.org.uk There'll be another one of these coming soon. Thanks to Phantom Films Paul and Dexter for uh, facilitating my uh, chat with Clinton. Um, on iPlayer at the moment there should be I Told You I Was Ill a series of three plays about Spike Milligan uh, one of which is written by Jessica Hines, one of which is written by the playwright Lee Madison, one of which is written by some bald interloper who manages to have 
made his way onto that illustrious list and who also does past, uh, a podcast about Doc Peters, me. Um, and it's got Mark Keep in it and Pippa Haywood and Stephen White and Jonathan Keeble, who was in the Ghosts of Space, don't you know? And, uh, and me. And it's on iPlayer till the 7th of November. Have a listen to that and keep an ear out for the end of the month on the 27th of October on BBC Radio 4 at half past two is my adaptation of Nigel Neal's lost television play The Road which stars Mark Gatiss, Adrian Scarborough and Hattie Morahan uh, names all familiar to listeners of Big Finish who are kind enough to host this podcast which will return to you very soon. In the meantime, thanks for listening and goodbye. It's Earth, one of those eras with trees. Ah, my dear Vicky, the astral map readings were quite clear. The Earth is trillions of miles from here. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Early Adventures, An Ideal World. The Mayflower Programme's goal is to locate and develop planets suitable for colonisation in Earth's neighbouring systems. With minimal terraforming, it could be fully habitable within 20 years. Doctor, the air... Yes, my dear. I'm afraid the oxygen is thinning. Without suits, there's not enough good air on the surface of T-19 to sustain human life longer than an hour. You're a contamination risk, Taylor. Something's coming down. It's going to crash. Negotiate with monsters, Kay. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Dear me. This is an act of war. Only if you resist. Oh, Vicky. Stephen. I'm so sorry. Big finish. We love stories. We welcome you.